Stand Firm Ministries, Biblical Truth, taught by Dr. Shane Perez. Today we're going to talk about prayer. We're going to look at the book of James and see what James has to say about prayer. We're going to look at a couple of verses in there, but if you want to go ahead and turn to James, you can turn to James chapter 4. That will be our main verse. As we look at the book of James, I think it's important to understand what James, sort of like the overall theme of the book here. He is writing to Jewish Christians. We believe most of them were probably from Jerusalem. They lived in Jerusalem at one time, and then because of the persecution, they had fled Jerusalem and had sort of spread out some. And they fled persecution, and some were still enduring persecution, um, and some, some were not. But he was writing to them, and some of the things he said to them were very interesting because the book of James, there's a lot of encouragement, but there's also a lot of reprimands. And I think that's very in interesting because he was talking to Christians instead of just comforting them during a time of maybe persecution or them fleeing persecution, he was trying to make sure that they were living correctly. And he was critiquing them, critiquing them on, on their action. Some things they were doing was not appropriate. And James was very quick to call them out on that. And I think one of the reasons why is because Christians can have a tremendous impact on their society. Make sure you understand that. Because I, I sort of feel, you probably feel this way, and I sort of feel this way too, many times, it almost feels like, like we don't have any influence. Like we're being shunned maybe, and nobody's paying attention to us, and we're not having any impact, and we feel so defeated at times. But Christians should have a tremendous impact on their society. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God dwells in us. And God chooses to work through us. So if you have a lot of people walking around where the Spirit of God is in them and He chooses to work through them, you should see things getting done. You should see Christians having an impact on their society. There should be no such thing as a weak Christian. But one thing we do see is a disengaged Christian. And I believe that's who James was talking to. He was talking to Christians that maybe they had fleed persecution. Maybe they were being persecuted because they identified as being a Christian. Yet they were going to all these different places and they were not having an impact. In fact... If you read through the book of James, you see there's, they have all sorts of different issues. From sin to fighting to just drama among themselves. A lot of things going on, but they wasn't having an impact on their society. And one thing that we need to make sure we constantly remind ourselves of is as Christians, we are in a spiritual battle. This is not a physical battle we're in. That's why Christians really shouldn't be uh, really bitter towards other people. Even though it's very quick to see somebody who does something against us, or we look at other people and think that they are the enemy. They are not the enemy. 
The enemy is Satan. It is a spiritual battle. One reason why I think we see so little impact that Christians are having on society is because of the ineffectiveness of Christians in their prayer life. And as you read through the book of James, you can find all sorts of different things that he gives you as far as commands, things that these people needed to work on. And you can take any one of those and preach a sermon on. But then he sneaks in something as well that I think deserves our attention today, and that is on prayer. Now, the title of the sermon is Pray Without Ceasing, but if you're an acute Bible student, you know that that verse, the one you know of, Prayer Without Ceasing, is not in the book of James. It is in Thessalonians. But in our first verse, we're going to look at first couple of verses, we're going to see he sort of is saying the same thing. In James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. I'll read again. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Two things I think he discusses here is that our societal impact depends on our prayer life. And I believe you see some characteristics of ineffective Christians here in the topic of prayer. We see unoffered prayers and unanswered prayers. We don't offer up prayers because we underestimate who we're talking to. I think it's always wise when you start praying to always address God. A lot of times when we pray, we want to go quick to our, our demands. Hey, I have this certain need, God. Please help me out with this need. But I think it's very wise. I think it's a good example set in the Lord's Prayer. Is though when you first start praying, spend some time talking about the qualities of God. Who Remind yourself who you're talking to. Because God doesn't need that. He doesn't need you telling him, Oh, great God, creator of all things, lover of my soul, saver of my soul. He doesn't need to hear those things. But who does need to hear them? We need to hear them. We've got to remind ourselves, who are we talking to? There is no more important, I would say, person. God would be more of a being. But we'll just say person. There is nobody more important than God. Do you understand that? And you get to talk to him. You get to talk to him anytime you want to. Do you know if you wanted to talk to somebody who's got some um, political power, even in our, own, in our own community, you want to talk to um, the mayor of Beach City or even the judge of the county or even the sheriff, better call and make an appointment. And one of the questions would be, why do you need to talk to me? I'm busy. I'm busy doing things. Why should I spend time out of my busy schedule talking to you? Could you imagine if you had the presidents of the United States on speed dial? 
You could call him anytime you want, whether it's our current president or a past president or whatever. Just call him up. Hey, I just wanted to chat with you a little bit about this issue, that issue, or even what you did this weekend. In our mind, we consider we hold people up to be so important. And then we can make a big deal when we do get to talk to them. Hey, I met with this person or uh, had a conversation with that person, and we think it's a big deal because we consider them important. But there's nobody more important than God. And we get to talk to him anytime we want to. But the sad part about it is we don't talk to him that much. Why is that? Because we don't understand who we're talking to. We underestimate who we're talking to. Because not only is God the most important person, most important being you'll ever talk to, but He is the most powerful. Make sure you understand that. There's nobody more powerful than God. Whoever met a billionaire, we'd probably be pretty proud about it and be talking about it. Hey, I met Elon Musk this past weekend. Had a little conversation with him. You know him like the richest man in the world? I'd probably tell people about it. Yeah, we can talk to God every day, and we choose not to, even though he is so much more powerful than any person we could even think of. God is the most important, most powerful, but also this is very important to understand too. He is the most loving and I say, I put in the loving part because you've got to understand where you stand with God. A lot of us, we may picture God as some distant, even if we consider him the most powerful, we consider him distant and maybe very judgmental. But our God is a very loving God. We're not his enemy. We're not his servant, his slave that must do what he tells us to do. And when we don't, he gets mad at us. That is not God. He is a loving God that loves us. In fact, He loves us more than anybody ever could love us. So when you put all those together, the most powerful God, the most important God, the most loving God, and we have the opportunity to commune with Him, to talk with Him. So why don't we talk with God more? 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. James was saying, You have not because you don't ask God. How much are we missing because we don't go before the throne of God with our petitions? Sure, we'll throw some up when we're in an emergency situation. Got a phone call in the middle of the night accidents happen or somebody's in the hospital yeah we're quick to go to God then and even then it's almost I feel like we're just throwing like a maybe a Hail Mary or something well I'll just throw it up there and maybe God will answer it maybe he'll hear me maybe he won't I feel like God probably looks at us and definitely has some compassion and sympathy because we just don't understand what an opportunity we have with praying to God with talking to God in fact, most of us look at it as work. And sometimes we just have a negative connotation of what prayer is. It's uncomfortable. It's, it's, it's challenging. It's, we're, we're put on the spot. Maybe we don't feel comfortable praying. Maybe we don't know what to say. 
So we just stay away from it. The Bible tells us, pray without ceasing. So many things we do not have because we're not asking God. What kind of impact can we have on our society if we just pleaded more to God? You've got to understand, remember, God is the most important, most powerful, most loving being. I love uh, what went on with the, the Supreme Court case on, uh, on abortion. It's amazing. Many Christians have been fighting for years and years and years to get something like that done. And it seemed like God just decided to get it done. Just open up doors and, and make it happen because He controls everything. We have unoffered prayers because we underestimate who we're talking to. But then we also have unanswered prayer. So I wanted to list a couple of things. What are the keys to having your prayers answered? Number one, you need to know God. You need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I say, no, God, that's just not, I met him one time. When I was a teenager, I said a prayer one time and I got baptized. You need to have a friendship, a relationship with God. You need to be communing with him. You need to be talking with him should be on a daily basis, but on a very frequent basis. You need to know God. And I believe there's so many times that we just offer up prayers to God and we don't even have much of a relationship with God. We need to make sure that we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to get your prayers answered, know God. Have God Lord of your life. Commune with Him daily. And not only know God, but I think another key to having your prayer, uh, prayers answered is to live like you know God. James 5, 16, it says, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Prayer is powerful, but if you're not living right, it's not very powerful or effective. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. James was saying, you have not because you don't ask God. You have unoffered prayers. But then he was saying, you have unanswered prayers because you're asking really with wrong motives or wrong intentions. It's hard to have right intentions and right motives when you're living in sin. I feel like churches are getting to the point where they don't talk about sin much anymore. Talk about the need for repentance. If you want to mess up your relationship with God, if you want to hinder your relationship with God, then sin. It works every single time. And I know personally in my life, when I'm not close with God, it's usually because of one thing. Either in my actions, sin, in my heart, sin, in my mind, sin. I got some sin going on, and it really just cuts me off from God. A lot of times we look at it, well, God won't listen to me because I sin. That's usually not the case. I think a lot of times we're over here because we do sin, we don't hear God. And he'll be working all in all different areas of our life, and we don't see God working. It's not because he's not there. It's not because he abandoned us. It's not because he got mad at us because we sinned. But we don't see it. 
The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. James 1.27. He's talking to the, these Jewish Christians and he said, or in James it says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That is what it looks like. That's what Christianity should look like. But James goes on to say, to the same people, he said, this is what it looks like. You, not, you need to not be polluted by the world. Do good deeds and don't be polluted by the world. But then he goes on to say, in James 4, 4, guess what he says to the people? He calls them out. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So he makes it clear, James 1.27, you can't be polluted by the world. Then James 4.4, 4, he calls the people out. You adulterous people, you're just living in the world. You're mingling in the world. You're contaminated by the world. And what happens there, when you're contaminated by the world, when you're living in the world, you start thinking like the world. And God may tell you to do one thing, but you can't hear him too good because you're contaminated by the world. And then you see what's going on in the world and you start acting and making your decisions based on Maybe it's somebody else's opinion. Maybe it's your opinion. But it's a worldly opinion. It's not direction from God. I was reading a book uh, by Spurgeon. And I ran across this. And I want to share it with you. It's one thing that really does affect prayer. is submission. I'm talking about approaching the throne of God. Whenever this throne is approached... It should be with complete submission. We do not pray to God to instruct him as to what he should do. Neither for a moment must we presume to dictate the method of the divine working. We are permitted to say to God, thus we would have it. But we would must evermore add, yet seeing that we may be mistaken and are still in the flesh, not as we will, but as you will. Who shall dictate to the throne? No loyal child of God will for a moment imagine that he is to occupy the place of the king, but he bows before him who has a right to be Lord of all. And though he utters his desires earnestly, passionately, importantly, and he pleads and pleads again, yet it is evermore with this need for Reservation, your will be done. My Lord, and if I ask anything that is not in accordance with you, my inmost will is that you would be kind enough to deny me. I will take it as a true answer. If you refuse me what does not seem good in your sight, if we constantly remember this, I think we will be less inclined to push certain concerns before the throne. We should feel, I am here seeking my own case, my own comfort, my own advantage, 
and I may be asking for that which would dishonor God. Therefore, I will speak with the deepest submission to the divine decrees. What a great attitude to have then in prayer. As we understand who we're talking to, understand what our attitude should be when we talk to God. And how many times have you gotten upset because you prayed for something and God didn't give it to you? Now you're bitter and angry about it. But it's all in our attitude. We've got to understand, God's got it all under control. So when we come before this most powerful, most important, most loving being... We can submit our requests to him, but he has no obligation to answer our prayers. Imagine what our life would look like if he did. I'd have to admit, especially in my younger days, I prayed for things which I look back at now and thank God that he didn't give me a yes answer. And I look back at my past and say, wow, I'm, I did a lot of bad things. I messed up a lot. But isn't it neat how God just worked through it all? God is in control of everything. And when we approach this stone, we need to understand that. And we need to submit to God's will. Not only in our words, but in our attitude. So when God doesn't answer the prayer, we're not bitter. We're not angry. We don't think, well, prayer doesn't work because God didn't say yes to this. But we've got to understand it wasn't God's will. And maybe down the road he'll show me why it wasn't his will. Maybe he won't. But God is in control and we need to submit to his will. And that is one part of living like you know God. James 4, 4, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. I wonder if that describes, or how many Christians that describes today. I, we better look in the mirror and make sure that's not describing us. That God's not describing us as his enemy because we're befriending the world. James was talking to people that were compromised. They were in a spiritual battle that they were losing because they didn't have the power of God. Didn't have the power of God because they didn't offer prayers up to God. And when they did, it wasn't for the will of God. James knew, I think one of the reasons why he was so hard on these, these believers, these Christians, is that it was an important time. This was showtime. They were being persecuted in Jerusalem. They spread out everywhere. It is time for them to change the world. Wherever they're at, whatever city, whatever town, now's the time for God to start working and start changing things. You're a Christian. You have the power of God in you, working through you. Amazing things should be happening. And then as you read the book of James, you see they're just fighting and they're, and they're living worldly and nothing's getting done for God. I believe the situation is very similar today for us. We should be having a tremendous impact on our society. 
I read about Christians who it's told that people feared them. Evil people feared them. Evil people feared the prayers of the righteous people. I don't get that feeling in our society. I think when people hear that we're Christians, they can even laugh it off. Because we don't have the power of God because we don't have the relationship with God. We're living in a compromised world. Um, we live in a compromised world where we're friends with the world, doing everything the world does. But we've got to understand, we are in a spiritual, spiritual battle. An intense spiritual battle for our soul, for our nation, for our community, for our society. Dare say for our world. We are in a serious battle and it is time for us as Christians to stop being comfortable and living a life of security and step up to the plate and see what kind of times we're living in. And the answer is just not to go out there and get this politician elected or be active in, in this kind of um, activity or so forth. But the number one thing that we can do is work on a relationship with God. You work on your relationship with God and you start offering up prayers to God and letting him live through you and you're living righteously, you're going to see God do amazing, powerful things through you as an individual. Imagine if all of us in this room were doing that. What could God do? What does he want to do? We're living in desperate times. I saw this this week and uh, you know, everything can't be positive when I'm, when I'm preaching. So I wanted to, to share this with you and just give you, a, give you a heads up. I try to show you things that are going on in our society because I want you to be aware. I want you to understand the urgency of the times that we're living in. So I got a little video. And this is a, um, this is a primary in New York. And this individual won this primary in New York. And this is at her, I guess, her celebration speech. I want you to hear what she says. This is very interesting because I found this, I saw this video out there, I saw it on the news. It's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta share that. It's a pretty bold statement. But then as I was researching it, I found where this Chinese guy actually uh, put together a little video and montage talking about it a little bit and trying to put it in perspective a little bit. And I want you to, to see that. I want to share that with you today. We really prove that socialism wins. She should live in Venezuela for a few months, or live in Cuba for just a few weeks, or in North Korea for just a few days, or in mainland China for just a few hours. She's drunk. So let's show her something's happening in China, a socialist communist country. Because of the hot weather and blackout happening almost every day. The Chinese people have to stay in a cave. Or have to stay in a tunnel. Or have to stay in a hole to escape the heat. China is experiencing the record drought in 60 years. The world's third largest river dries up in drought. But people in those areas still have to take the mandatory test almost every day. In hot days, millions have to line up the whole night to take the test. 
Simon have you ready they, they still have to queue up for testing. Human rights in China is only get worse and worse. This is what a student who lost his family has to say to the whole world. For the Chinese people who live in big cities, many have paid money to buy apartments, but the construction could not finish or has to be dismantled because of the changes in government policy. So by saying this, that socialism wins. she only proves that she doesn't understand much about socialism. Okay, I want you to be aware this is happening in our country. And when you see the word socialism, um, say, well, that's a political thing. It's not a religious thing. Um, no, it's a religious thing. There is no such thing as a Christian socialist country. Research it. Go to any socialist country out there. One of the first things they do is get rid of religion and God. They've been doing that for years in America, and what have we Christians been doing? Been watching it. Maybe even been gripping about it a little bit. And maybe we've got even more active in our politics or something like that, maybe thinking that that will change it. Guess what will change it? God can change it. He has the power to change it. Pretty sure he probably wants to. But not if his people are living compromised lives. We're praying to him. When we do pray, we pray to him about petty things. Most times we don't even pray much at all. And we pray about petty things with worldly hearts. Imagine what it could look like if we as people who call ourselves Christians understand who we're talking to in prayer. And offer up real prayers to God. When I say real prayers, I mean prayers that are in line with His will. It's easy to do when you're communing with God daily. It's impossible to do when you're not. What exactly is prayer? Prayer is just talking to Jesus. That's all it is. There's different ways you can pray, different methods and different styles or so forth. But you're just talking to Jesus. I've talked to people before and maybe new to Christianity. And I say, well, all you got to do is just say a prayer. Well, why don't you pray with me? And it's like, I don't know how. Do you know how to talk to somebody? Sometimes we make prayer something that it's not. It's a religious formality. When I, the church I grew up in, when the deacons would pray, and probably the pastor too, they would always pray in King James Version, which is fine, but it's not necessary. Just talk to Jesus. Talk to Jesus every day. Talk to Jesus all the time. And a lot of times I know the feelings like, well, maybe you feel ashamed. Maybe there's some stuff going on in your life, some little bit of darkness in your heart. There's always going to be stuff going on in your life. There's always going to be some sin popping up or tempting you somewhere. There's always going to be a little darkness in your mind or in your heart. 
That's okay because Jesus knows about it anyway. God knows. Just because you're not talking about it doesn't mean you can hide it. Feeling bad about it? Confess it. When you do the same thing again, confess that again. Just talk with Jesus. Because I know one thing that we make a lot of mistakes on in that area. I know a lot of mistakes I made was thinking that I could fix it. Okay, God, I'm going to try to do better. Now I've learned my best is still not good enough. But God, you need to change me in this area. I'm not able to change myself. I prove that. But you can because you are the God that changes people. You change hearts. You change minds. Change me. It's amazing to see God work. I'm going to play this song for you. I just want you to sit and just, uh, you can read the lyrics and enjoy the story here, but it's talking about what prayer is and how it's just talking to Jesus. That you love me like you say you do I've got years and years of striving When there was nothing left to prove Could it really be this simple? Your kindness changes everything it's like your grace is on a mission To tear down my religion You're all I really need Hallelujah All this time How you love me How you love me I'm finally seeing That you're not who I thought you'd be You're not mad and you're not scary And all this shame and guilt I've carried Is why you died for me How you love me 
how you love me. This lesson encourages you and equips you to minister to others with your walk as a Christian. We would love to hear from you. Drop us an email at standfirmministries at yahoo.com.